Hello, Sha. Welcome back. <laughs> Episode 148 of the SoCo Show is here. This is the co-host, Cody Michael. I'm joined, as always, by the so-host, Seth Hot. Hello, sir. <laughs> there you go. You do it better than I do. Uh, and back yet again... Oh, mommy. Welcome back. <laughs> Hello, sure. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You you t- you can take second behind Seth. I, I do not have a reliable Michael Caine. I'm willing to admit that. Yeah, you sound more like uh, Rachel than, than Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> I I would do a uh, I would do a um, a Maggie Gyllenhaal impression, but I'm afraid it would be too good and I don't want to improve I don't want to prove you right. <laughs> I prefer you to do a Katie Holmes impression. Oh, well, I'm definitely not going to do that, because that movie stinks. Um, anyway, uh, before we go anywhere, uh, I will say this. Um, tensions are a little bit high here in Soko Show Studios, because um, last night on J-Buck Live, we witnessed perhaps the most egregious bastardization of the <laughs> democratic system <laughs> that I've ever seen. Uh, it was incredibly unfair, and uh, I demand a recount, because... We did, uh, Jared conducted a, a top 32 um, movie tournament uh, to find out what the best comedy or the funniest comedy ever made was. And Superbad did not win, so I think we got to throw the results out. You, you think so? So I you're do. saying yeah. that when you open up the polling and people vote and it's not the way you want it to outcome, it should be thrown out. That's exactly right. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. no, that the, sounds about right. The way it should work is that whenever I vote for something, that thing should happen. Yeah. And the system has failed me <laughs> once again. Um, but, you know, I think the, the biggest thing of it was that you, Jared had made clear that his favorite movie in this list was Dumb and Dumber. So it was, I think, a little bit fishy when... <laughs> Finding Nemo won. Yeah. <laughs> it was a fish called Wanda was in second. Finding Nemo was third. For some reason, Jaws was in there. <laughs> Jaws is hilarious. I don't know yeah. what you guys, but that movie makes me laugh. Oh, that shock with all those teeth. <laughs> um, the the winner of the, the bracket challenge was, of course, Dumb and Dumber. Damn right um, it was. So... If you're a SoCo listener out there and you disagree with Jared and, and maybe maybe you agree with the co-host that it should have been super bad, I don't know. Maybe you agree with Seth that it should have been Austin Powers' gold member. I don't know. But, <laughs> hey, um, Austin Powers and gold member had a great showing in in the brackets. Uh, it made it, it really for, did. I made it past two rounds, I think, right? I believe so. I will say I there was a lot of movies that were in this. Again, you know, there's there was only 32 movies. It was tough to break down just to 32 comedy films. Um but a lot of people have never even seen Austin Powers, or they said that they were overrated. Well, those people are morons. Yeah, they're they're hooligans. That was mm-hmm. that's what we call them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're wrong. This is what we tell them. Get out of here. Um, if <laughs> no you shot. if you if if you want to correct this, uh, well, really, what can only be described as a, a, a hateful act of of uh you know of of voter suppression then um head on over get, get at jared on the on the social media at jared buckendall and let him know that that super bad should have been the winner mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And, some people and to answer I, question i know some people question, that were 
that were that were in there um they were complaining there wasn't enough time the polling lines were long they didn't get their votes in on time um i'm sorry i i did hear <laughs> i did hear though that there were a bunch of absentee ballots for gold member that didn't get counted so <laughs> i i I, th- I feel like uh the gold member truly did win um, I will find out in two weeks because I don't have Amazon Prime. So when those actually show up, <laughs> then I'll count them. Oh wow! I don't. I'm not so worried about the mail-in gold member ballots as I am all the illegal immigrants voting for 21 Jump Street. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think those people should have been allowed to vote. Um, and at this point, I think it's important that that I emphasize that we're we're doing a, a sarcastic. Uh, a sarcastic in-joke about the voting system. And uh, I, I don't actually have any evidence to, to suggest that uh, illegal, illegal immigrants from Mexico uh, enjoy the movie 21 Jump Street. I, I just don't know either way. My name's Jeff. Hey, hey yes. <laughs> okay, I bet they like that part. That's yeah. just pretty fun. No, I will, say, uh, I will say, you know, obviously you guys are always the moderators over there, but thank you for tuning in. And also... Um, it turned out a lot better than I thought. I thought mm-hmm. the tech would explode on me, and it, it, there was a hiccup or two, but it was it was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, it was cool how it worked out with voting in the chat and all that stuff. Um, yeah, it, it was cool. It, it definitely worked better than the prior time with. What was where the, we had to just have Cody tally up the votes? Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, that was tough. <laughs> and allowed you to vote in it too, and and there were some fun races. I, there was one. I mean, the one where um, you, I think you had said like going into a gold member's not going to get a vote. I think it was the second time, the second round it was in, and then it won by I think one vote. Mm-hmm. And I, I was sitting there because I just watched it. There was fifteen votes for it, so it was like it was eight to seven, and I was like, oh man, uh, if one person comes in here and ties it up, I'm going to be so mad. But it was like. You know the you could see the countdown on yeah, there. Yeah, you see like, the countdown oh, come on. coming down. Yeah, and it and it and it made it to the next round. So I was I was happy about Gold Member. None of my other picks made it. Popstar made it kind of far. Uh, Clerks mm-hmm. got beat out. Scary Movie Three got a lot of hate in the chat. I I, I think a, I think it would be fun. I'm thinking about this now. I think it'd be really fun. But then again, it's oh no no because then there'd be a collusion. But I was going to say, if we did the voting, but there was money on the line, and you had to fill out a bracket, but then again, since we're voting, you could easily mm-hmm. manipulate it. That's true. So never yeah. mind. You'd, you'd have to band <laughs> together to do that, though, right? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, still, your vote is just your vote. Um, so you would need to, like, campaign for other ones. That would be kind of fun. Maybe we should do a campaign for president... That's Dumb and Dumber versus Superbad, and mm-hmm. and uh, have a chance to argue our case, and then have the you, voting redone. Now that I'm thinking about it, too, we missed a couple of big ones that that I that I thought should have been on there. Um, Dodgeball, I felt like that was been. okay. Um, oh shoot, I don't have my computer handy. There was a list of fifty, and a lot of them unfortunately got hit off. Like I, I'm seeing now that you say it, Dodgeball should have been in for probably Team America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hell, it should have been Team in America's over a scary funny, movie, but. Yeah, it should have been well, over a scary movie. I've seen Dodgeball way more time. I mean, I've seen scary movies, not more. I guess I'd probably I'd probably seen them pretty equally. I've seen Dodgeball a lot, and that's probably because of the F, it was on FX all the time, mm-hmm. and so I I've I know that movie super well. I had some older ones in there like uh, Revenge of the Nerds, Animal House, and stuff like that, but I just don't feel like they. I wouldn't say not like translate well, but I don't think that they're very. Funny. I don't know. They were like movies of the time almost. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Old school 
Uh, that was on the list, yep. Uh, uh, role models could have been a good one, I think, oh, on there. Oh, shoot. Uh, Accepted would have been a good one. Accepted's good. Was Anchorman on the list? I couldn't remember. It was, I know we had a few yeah. Will well, it, it didn't make the last 32 or the final 32. That's okay, yeah. Yeah, Anchorman was one that... Yeah. That was the only one I, th- I this morning was like, oh, yeah, Anchorman would have been a good one mm-hmm. on there. But I would well, have voted for it anyway. I yeah. I was overrated. I mean, the ones that you guys are listing off and then looking at the bracket that I actually put together, I mean... I took the suggestion, like, you know, a peek behind the curtain. I took a suggestions from uh, fans of the show and stuff. So that those kind of made the first ones in there. Um, mm-hmm. Some of some people were saying, like, outlandish ones. I'm like, that's not a comedy film. Come on. Um, mm-hmm. But then Snatch? I went. That yes. was in the chat. That was all over yeah. the chat. Who the hell's laughing at Snatch? I, I don't know. I mean, I can see where it's kind of funny at times, but I don't see Snatch being a comedy film at all. Yeah, I I don't think of it that way, but I guess yeah. there's some folks that do. But, but no, then I yeah, then I basically is... just typed in best comedy films and went to like 18 websites to find like ones that are that shared the lists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I was gonna say was oh. Uh, if if you're totally confused by this conversation, uh, you're missing out. Okay, you're gonna want to watch J Buck live uh, Tuesday nights. And there's a new time, Jared. What's that new time? Uh, I believe it's 9 p.m. Central Time. There yeah, you go. I, I, 9 p.m. I don't Central. know. Follow my social media, though. There will be announcements and stuff because <laughs> life is all over the place. Yep. Yeah. Head over. Head over there. Make sure uh, that you're you're over there and that you're subscribed. That way you can participate in the next bracket challenge because those have been a mm-hmm. ton of fun. Especially chatting it up about those in the comments has been a blast. So yeah, I think I think getting us three to brainstorm some uh, some new brackets would be fun. So yeah, definitely kind of like once every two months we try to do one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. All that good stuff over there on the YouTubes and. Uh, 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 here's a little fun before we do jump into the show. We realized uh, as we were chatting before we started recording, a fun little anniversary uh, that that has just occurred. Uh, so we're recording this on June 17th, and uh, we realized that six years ago today uh, was the day that I moved in with Seth. And so uh, I had just graduated from college and changed towns and moved on to Seth's, uh, what was, it was like one of those two seat love seat couches where they mm-hmm. both recline and that that was my home for the first nine months of my adult life and today's the anniversary of moving into there so for saving me from poverty and homelessness i uh i, I applaud you on this the sixth anniversary of your allowing me to move into your place so. oh man yeah i, I wouldn't have it, have it any other way other than the fact that uh the st- the, the the smell of balls never left that couch after you <laughs> slept on it so yeah, that's true. I I do have fragrant balls. I <laughs> <laughs> fragrant balls. That's the title of this week's episode. Yep. <laughs> oh wow, 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 wow! It's funny how time flies. It's crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, six years since. Well, at least for me, graduated from college. Um, but uh, we we roll onward, and now here we are, 148 episodes later, uh, doing the SoCo show. So. Uh, let's take a look at what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we got a fun couple of topics. We are going to talk a little bit about the PlayStation 5, which we saw announced last week. Um, we got TV Corner um, and a couple interesting ones in there, including one that's been one of the most watched things on Netflix ever. Um, we are going to have Jared, who missed the boat, and then a few reviews from a pretty big movie weekend, surprisingly, 
So uh, all that stuff and more. But before we get into any of that, you know we got to do some chic tweets. I call you a punk. I love how you set that up like a TV show host from the 90s. All that stuff oh, and more and on this more. week's SoCo Show. <laughs> Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. And there's some ska music playing in the background. Uh, I, 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 peek behind the curtain. I, I pretty much just always pull this up as soon as the music's playing, so I kind of just choose one. Um, <laughs> uh, and so I saw this one and it kind of perplexed me. I don't know what the context is because there's a lot of like uh, uh coronavirus still you know she she's uh you know uh, tweeting about the coronavirus still but this one is a random one that kind of just popped up in the middle so iron Sheik says if there if there is a sale on lawn furniture go fuck yourself <laughs> <laughs> what why <laughs> I don't know, man. I, that this one really is confusing to me. Uh, yeah, I I, <laughs> I tried looking in the comments for some context, and mostly it's just people professing their love to the Iron Sheik. But uh, yeah, if, uh, if there's a sale on lawn furniture, uh, Iron Sheik says you better go fuck yourself. Wow. Well, I mean, it's the summertime, so there is a sale on lawn furniture right now. <laughs> so uh, everybody go fuck themselves. That is wow. That's a, that was a good find. That was a good find this week for Chic Tweets. <laughs> I call you a punk. Alrighty, let's shout out our sponsors. First of all, audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Hit the link in the description box. You're going to get 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. Free. There you go. Uh, Mathis Designs. Find our friend Steph on Etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs for all your stationery and graphic design needs. Paid. <laughs> God. I, I'm almost afraid to start the next one because I know you're going to start doing creepy sounds again. Um, our last sponsor, of course, is Mike's Wood. Head over to Etsy.com slash shop slash cornfed and wed to get your woodworked. Yikes! That was something. Uh, okay. Well, I I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah, I I did not either, Jared. We agree on that one. Um, I need a well, palate cleanse. Let's go. Let's go to uh, a previously recorded ad about Anchor. Man, just, Seth, have you have you exercised whatever demon was in you now, or, or are you ready to do more show? No, because just like a sale on lawn furniture, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, definitely want to give big shouts out to our anchor contributors, uh, Jared B. At Jared Buckendall. Mike V, Anna S, and Casey C. We appreciate y'all uh, being monthly contributors to the show. And um, in addition to that, want to give a heads up out there. If you're considering becoming a contributor, you can do so over on the anchor site, link in the description box. And if you become a contributor during the month of June, reminder that all of June's uh, contributor and ad revenue is donating uh, is going to be donated toward uh, causes related to Black Lives Matter. So, um, if you're looking for a good reason other than you know liking what we do, um, just know that uh, the first few bucks are going to go to to a great cause. So, uh, if you're on the fence, then a great opportunity to jump in as a contributor now. By the way, that goes all the way through the end of June. And if you forget to turn off the automatic donation, uh, all the money for July goes to us. Yeah, and Seth <laughs> will buy ice cream with it. So. Keep keep a keep a finger on that pulse so you don't forget. 
<laughs> All right, here. Uh, let's let's roll into the show, guys. And I think um, let's 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 actually start with something from outside movies and TV, uh, because all three of us were keenly tuned in to last week's uh, YouTube stream from Sony, where they unveiled the PlayStation Five and uh, some of the some of the games that are going to be available on that platform. Not necessarily at launch in all cases. But uh, we, we know a little bit about what we can expect from the next generation. And, and I'm going to assume that you've already heard or seen the major announcements. So I'm not going to recap all of them for you. But guys, let's go around the table. What was, your, what was the thing that excited you the most about what you saw? Or what was your biggest takeaway from Sony's presentation last week? Give me them triangles, boy. So many <laughs> triangles. Um, no, so because we were all kind of watching it in different uh, ways. Uh, I was at work kind of half paying attention. So I've gone back and watched some of the videos and things like that. But um, I was I was definitely waiting for uh, the Horizon uh, Forbidden West, uh, well, Horizon sequel announcement. We found out it was called Forbidden West. But um, it's funny because it's even sitting there watching it. It brought me back to all the other times uh, watching, like going back to when I was, um, you know, a t- teenager, um, waiting for like the PS3 announcement and stuff. Watching on G4, I think it was probably G4 then, either Tech TV or I think it was G4 then, where they would do the live E3 press conferences and and seeing like the new footage from the PS3 and and uh, and then you know PS4 and subsequently like, all that stuff, all the different consoles and seeing like the announcements and PlayStation has stayed pretty consistent with their their formula. And so I knew it was going to start off with something kind of cool and then end with a big one. And so the whole time I was sitting there like, and we had talked about even uh, a few days prior, like I, I'm, I'm per- if I was betting on, on something, it was going to be Horizon. And, and so I was right with that. But just waiting for that, like them to kind of st- even be sneaky with it going. Same thing they did with like Last of Us Part Two, where it was like something sneaky going in where it was like, a little bit of a, you know, if, if you played those games and are big fans, you can tell that it's going to be that. And then, like, huge reveal of the characters. And so, like, I was waiting for that. I was getting really pumped for just, like, to be able to catch that. And immediately with that trailer, they had mentioned something about, like, the old ones or something like that from the game. And I'm like, yes, that's it. And so <laughs> I was glued to that watching that. that. That's what I was most excited about. But it was kind of almost the reverse of so, stuff they'd done in the past because, like, Spider-Man was their big one. The year The Last of Us came out, they they started the conference with Last of Us and ended it with Spider-Man. Um, and I still remember watching that, actually, with, with Cody uh, at our old place. Um, I remember Cody oh, freaking yeah. out about Spider-Man. I squealed like a girl. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was a fun one. That was a fun um, one. <laughs> but then, you know, it was the opposite here. They started with Spider-Man and ended with the, the big sequel. So I loved the press conference. There's a lot of cool stuff coming out that's new. I think there's some intriguing things. Obviously, like again, Horizon is one of my favorite games of all time. I cannot wait for that sequel, um, and then that Miles Morales thing looks pretty cool. So, uh, you know, it's not a full game or anything, but I'm I'm very excited for the PS5, and we'll be pre-ordering as soon as they allow me to buy that giant uh, spaceship-looking thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I uh, I wasn't I, un- I I watched like the second half when I finally got home, but I was like running around trying to do errands. I was in line for the bank teller thing. So I was watching everything in very scrambled, uh, like thirty six or three sixty p on my phone. So I had to go back and rewatch some of the trailers. But yeah, the Spider Man Miles Morales. I'm very 
I was very excited for that. I'm kind of a little, I wouldn't say a little less, but like I wanted it to be a full game. It's going to be a standalone game, but it's not going to be like the full experience of what the first game is. What would they say, like mm-hmm. 10 to 15 hours, something like that? I don't think mm-hmm. they've I said so. yet how long it's going to be, okay. but I, th- I, you know, it's, it's a, I think they said expansion, which is a little bit longer, you know, than DLC. So my yeah. guess is it's going to be along the lines of like Last of Us, or not Last of Us, um, the well, Lost, actually Last of Us. Uncharted uh, Legacy or something? Yeah, Uncharted Lost Legacy, or even um, uh, Last of Us uh, Left Behind, where there was just an Ellie story, where it's kind of like, you know, 8 to 15 hours, something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, no matter what, I'm excited to get back into that world because uh-huh. I haven't touched it since. I think I, I, I didn't get the DLC or anything, but yeah. Let me see play in updated graphics, um, yep. snow, Low uh, times. miles, yeah, le- just everything enhanced. I'm very much on board for that. Um, Horizon, again, I'm very excited for that. That was one of my favorite games of that generation or, you know, that year that it came out where you're just launching bombs at these dinosaurs. Like, it was so mm-hmm. cool. So I'm excited yep. what the sequel is going to bring. But I'm a big fan, and I think, Cody, you're kind of here too. Ratchet and Clank. Oh, I, yeah. Uh, Fuck yeah. I'm so, so, so excited because, I mean, we got the one on the PlayStation 4 Mm -hmm. um, alongside the movie, which I'm sorry, but the movie was just really bad. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just love that world. I love the characters. I love the witty banter and everything. And being able to, like, I hope that there's a a decent amount of upgrades because I just love to see my weapon enhanced to a new level but also look different like it's a little small detail but like when it flashes and it's like now your sheepinator is level two and i'm like yes like now the sheep explode and it's just this that kind of almost is a nostalgia feeling now because i've i've been along since i think the second or third one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah you guys have mentioned the spider-man and and ratchet are my two favorites and as you know i i, I came back to playstation um, about a year and a half ago, and Spider-Man was the reason why. And what what the what the Ratchet um, update or the Ratchet sequel made me realize is that I never played that PS4 game. Oh, dude, you gotta um, check it out. It's good. I hated I hated the movie, but I people keep telling me I actually <laughs> I was I got an argument with my girlfriend the other day because. I I have this idea in my head that because the movie sucked, so must the game. Uh-uh. <laughs> and. So she was talking about, oh yeah, I like the Ratchet and Clank game, and I was like, no, fuck, that sucks. Like, it's the original was way better. But I realized after that conversation, I had no context to be having it. Like, I just never played it. So I am gonna go try to get the new, um, the reboot, the Ratchet reboot, because it it sounds like this is this new game is a direct sequel to that, and not necessarily all the games before. Mm-hmm. It's um, kind of I think that PS4 one is more of a reimagining of the first one with mm-hmm. a tie into yeah. the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, yeah. I don't even know if it tied. I don't think it tied into the movie. I think it was just kind of. I mean, they released it alongside, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think it really had anything to do with the movie. Okay. Either way, it's a good game, so I would play it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just excited to play some more Ratchet. Honestly, I, I hadn't thought about Ratchet in a long time, and then when I saw him pop, yeah. saw him pop up, I was like, oh hell yes, I need this. Cause, um, yeah, because I I played it. I played it all the way through, and I that oh, was the nice. first Ratchet game that I had ever played. What'd you um, think of it? I loved it. It was a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. The uh, easily though, I I could have I could have just watched the first five minutes because Spider Man was the only that was the only thing I came for was was Spider Man, but the the reveal that it was Miles this time was that was me running around my apartment with my hands up, um, <laughs> very very excited to have a fully fully actually realized Miles Spidey. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how 
how the they put the story together and Seth and I were talking about like you know are they going to do his or like are they going to continue to stick with his origins which have been pretty close to to at least one of his uh, comic origins are they going to change things up how is it going to relate potentially to Spider-Verse if at all um you know it, it's going to be interesting to see how and what they do um with him especially but uh, yeah, Horizon being, I think, the big one that got the most folks excited. I never played that first game, so it's an opportunity oh, for me to jump into that, yeah. jump into that for the first time, which I am uh, excited for. I, I, I'm, I just, I, I'm stacked up with play. I still need to play through the first Last of Us, and that's coming out this week. Um, and then I got to pick up Ratchet and Clank, and I got to pick up uh, Horizon. Basically, all the best games from the last ten years. <laughs> yeah, man. I need to catch up on. <laughs> Uncharted, yeah. Um. Yeah, it, it it's uh you know with with the the Spider-Man one I think cuz we had the had the discussion of like in the comics um Miles comes around when Peter Parker dies and how would that tie in and stuff and I don't with this being an expansion I and I didn't think they would do it anyway but I I think with this being more of an expansion and they've already kind of changed things up in the game regarding the the origins and stuff I I don't think that'll happen because I think the rumor going in something I'd read the rumor is that they're trying to do a whole like MCU for video games and do and tie them in with different heroes and stuff. So hmm. um, like the not not tied in with the Avengers game that's coming out, but more of like an insomniac Marvel universe with some of the lesser characters, even like a um, like Doctor Strange and things like that. So I would I would be 100 percent on board because I trust them on what they do. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Insomniac. Yeah, they great, handled so. Spidey. They handled Spidey perfectly. So that was and Insomniac also Ratchet and Clank. So mm-hmm. and they also um, did. Um, I mean, this was back. PS2. Jack and Daxter. Yep. No, did they? I think they did Jack and Daxter. Um, I was gonna say Resistance. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. They did do Resistance, and Resistance is that was my favorite game for PlayStation. I do 3. remember that. Yeah. You were yeah, you had a boner over that. <laughs> well, it definitely had the weapons. Definitely had that resi- or uh, Ratchet and Clank feel. Because uh-huh. they kind of had like upgrades and different modes and stuff. That game was fucking epic too. Like you were a one man army. That uh, that that game had a surprisingly good story. The, everything about Resistance: Fall of Man was insanely awesome. I didn't. I never played the sequel though. I think that was the um, launch too. That was a launch game for PS3. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think you're right because I only had the PlayStation 3 for a brief time and I I got it at launch. So that yeah, game must have been available. And like right we were. I think I I don't know if we all three talked about it or if I talked about it with Cody, but um, with with the PS with the PlayStation, I mean their thing has always been um, their single player games, their story games. They've done an amazing job of creating franchises, and that's even an example. It's like you know Resistance isn't still around, but you know that was a launch title. Killzone was you know a launch title mm-hmm. where they had they had games going for a while, and like they're able to create these really crazy good even at launch like which is really hard for consoles to do is is create original games that people love and get you know get people in on the on the console which you know you saw with the PlayStation conference they they showed like three or four original games that look insane a couple of them involved like um like time travel and and re- like a, a groundhog day type scenarios um there's games that are being like put out by movie studios like Annapurna is doing a video game mm-hmm. um which is you know kind of along the lines with the place the PS5 has the um, ray tracing technology they use in Pixar movies and stuff so like that I think that's a whole new realm we're going into now of 
you know, these movie studios are going to be like, oh, these games look like movies. Let's go and, and you know, create a movie on this people that people can play. Uh, and that's a whole new revenue stream that, you know, uh, movie company, you know, movie studios are going to have now, too. So a um, lot of cool stuff coming with the, the PS5. No, you're right, because they even had that little section in the conference where they talked about how gaming used to be about how challenging it was to get the artist's vision into the game. Mm-hmm. And then they made the point to say, that's no longer an issue. The tech is here. We can we can get whatever it is the artist wants to get, we can put on screen now. And I think it's going to open us up to some really, really cool shit. And, and uh, PS5 is... Uh, I'm excited. I, mm-hmm. I wasn't certain whether or not I was going to get it at launch, but I, I do think I am going to make an attempt at least, um, especially to get Spidey, because that, that does come at launch. So... Uh, PS5 on the way. Folks also, are folks are pumped. Also, one thing that's kind of you know interesting to think about too, especially again going along the lines of movie studios. Sony is a company that is you know huge in movies. You know they they have been for years, and so they're going to be able to maybe even bring their own properties into into the video games and stuff too. So um, they're going to be able to combine all of their their things into the PS5. They're putting in the 4K Blu-ray player in the disc one. Which I know something Cody is excited about is the the Woo! discless console, yeah, uh, which cut down some of the price too and all that. So, um, yeah, it's it's I, th- I think that and and the gaming has I did a, a research paper on Sony uh, for one of my college classes and um, the gaming has always been their profit maker um, is, is the the PlayStation. So um, you know they're they're putting a lot into this. They're they're hedging their bets on the PlayStation being successful once again and. I think they're they're on the right path because you know compared, um, you know over the years I've been less and less like a you know because back in the day you always had to choose a side you know Xbox or PlayStation choose and, it, and I think I still think to an extent there's there's people who are like that still um, especially online but I, I feel less of that you know like you know affiliation now but you know I, I think that PlayStation's off to a good start just if you look at the games lineup and and all that stuff too they're you know, people are way more excited about the the PlayStation games than they are Xbox. So, um, I think they're off to a good start in the console wars already. Yeah, I'm gonna get both. So, <laughs> I don't. I, I guess I'm lucky in that I can I can do you're, so. Uh, you're you're gonna have to get uh, a new fucking uh, TV stand to fit all that all yeah. that square footage of of the the PlayStation that that I don't even know what the fuck that looks like, and then the the computer tower that is the Xbox. You can yeah, just put the PlayStation need... in the corner for like a coat rack or something. <laughs> yeah, it's about tall enough. It, I basically I need a garage so I can pull these two beasts <laughs> in and have enough space. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be pretty because they are they're both they showed size relative. They're they're each the biggest of their series so far physically. So uh, yeah, they're gonna take up some fucking space. That's for sure. I'm gonna have to put the PlayStation underneath my TV stand. I think. Yeah, and like that space underneath, because I don't think it's gonna fit sideways in the. Just use it yeah. as a coffee table. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'll put my feet up on it. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be way more expensive than what my actual coffee table cost. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> oh man. Well, well, let's switch gears here because you know we've been talking a few times actually, the three of us, about how we've we've maybe played a little more video games lately because our movie habits have changed as a result of, of, you know, quarantine and theaters being closed. But I was really excited this week, as were a lot of others, to see that Regal has announced that it's reopening theaters as well. So on July 10th, 
uh, regal theaters nationwide are going to be opening up. And I'm in a state that's already moved to phase two. So I believe that means I will have I will start having showings uh, at my local theater starting July 10th, uh, which is very exciting. I'm very pumped. I think that means that very soon all three of us will have access to theaters again, which I know we're pretty pumped for. Um, it's Oh, where did that thought go? Oh, um, along with that theater news, though, uh, continually, continually we're seeing release dates getting moved around. Uh, this week we saw a tenant move back by a week. Um, we saw James Bond, I think, moved again. Uh, some movies from next year, I think The Matrix moved back another year. So a lot of shuffling around. Um, but it seems like those those release schedules will be locked soon because theaters are are back and and ready to go. But Seth, you were saying beforehand, you know, it's going to be interesting to, to see, you know, once everything's back open, how how our movie habits have changed so far and whether or not they're going to completely go back to what they used to be. Because we were talking specifically about trailers and how you're watching less of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I haven't watched a, a trailer. I, you know, Jared and I were having a conversation about um, a movie that he had some ex- uh, advanced um, to, to watching, but... Uh, it mentioned not to watch the trailer for it. So I, I uh, had thought about that for a second. I was like, I haven't actually even watched a trailer, like any trailer since I last went to the theater. Um, you know, back then it was like, you see the same trailers over and over and over again. And now it's, I, you know, I haven't watched a trailer online or anything like that. You know, there's no trailers before the movies you rent or anything. So I haven't really watched a trailer for, for quite some time. And, uh, you know, I, you know, especially with VOD movies and things like that, I, I typically don't watch the trailer before I, I do in, in indie movies too. You know, I, I, I do more watch um, or look at the Rotten Tomato scores and reviews and things like that and decide whether I want to go and see it. That That's kind of what I use to decide what I'm going to go see. But uh, with trailers, it'll be interesting to go back and, and see, you know, because there's some great ones. You know, you talk about some amazing trailers, um, you know, like A Star is Born is one that always comes to my mind of, of like that movie got me or that trailer got me super hyped. And, you know, how 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 will it be even just seeing tra- a trailer again for the first time? How 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 is that going to, you know, impact my emotion towards a movie? And so on one hand, I'm like, I'm excited to go see it. But at the other hand, too, it's like when I'm at home. I just start it up and I start the movie. I, you know, I don't have to worry about beforehand, um, you know, how much time it's going to take. You know, if I'm, especially if I'm fitting in three movies in a day uh, <laughs> at the theater, I don't have to worry about, like, you know, are these trailers going to last 30 minutes? Do I have to get there, you know, right on time to see the movie? Or, you know, is, is it going to start early? You know, blah, blah, blah. So it'll be interesting to get back into that habit. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I, on one hand, I miss trailers, but on the other, I don't. Yeah, I'm kind of kind of in that same boat. I mean, for my um, for J Buck Live, you know, we have that trailer talk section, but I don't typically watch a trailer more than once now. And for the movie that you mentioned that uh, I was fortunate enough to see early, I didn't watch the trailer until after the fact. And I think that that's kind of the way I'm slowly going. Is if I'm going to check out the trailer, <laughs> I watch it after the movie just so I'm like. Okay, what details can I potentially reveal in my review? Mm. Um, because like, what what is public knowledge essentially? Um, that's just kind of that that reviewer side of things. But I think it's a thing where I don't miss them right now. But when I go into the theater and I see them on the big screen with the big picture and the big sound, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be like, oh, like this. I like I miss this feeling. Um, and also, I think it's the fact that. 
ha- I mean, aside from kind of the handful of VOD movies, you know, the bigger ones like King of Staten Island and stuff, have we really gotten any like worthy movies to check out the trailer recently it's kind of like this weird mm-hmm. drought where everything's you know kind of being pushed away you know marketing dollars are kind of being held i think um so i don't know maybe there's going to be a ramp up of that but yeah it's definitely a weird weird i mean even just viewing movies and stuff has been kind of weird right now but uh trailers have just been i, I guess i haven't missed them too much yeah mm-hmm. you bring up a good point because you know, what are the studios putting out, right? Because we know uh, Mulan, because Tenet moved, um, did Mulan, sorry, where's Mulan in relation to Tenet now? Is it the same week as the week before? It's one week before, I believe. Mulan's first. It's like the 24th, I think. So Mulan, Mulan is going to be the big, the the first really big release. Um, And so now that they know that, having seen Tenet move, I wonder if Disney will start pushing trailers out more and whether they'll be more prevalent because it did seem like they kind of went dark for a while. Certainly with all the blockbusters being moved out of summer, it seems like they pulled those down, um, you know, from the various places you would see them. So uh, it is in part due to the fact that I I think they're just not out there as much, but I really haven't been watching many either. And I I have a love-hate relationship with trailers as as listeners of the show will know um, because I I love trailers. I think the art of making a trailer is is really underrated and, and... most trailers for good movies really interest me, but I can't watch them because if I watch a trailer and like it, I'll watch it so many times I know the movie and that's, that's bad. That's what I don't like. So like mm-hmm. mission, mission impossible fallout. I never watched a trailer until after I saw the movie, which was really rewarding. I did the same thing for star Wars. Um, it's for me, this is a case where I, this, this, I will change a little bit because I'm going to be so excited to go back to the movies. I think I will go and intentionally sit down and watch the trailers in part because, you know, I'll want to have that experience of seeing the big and loud. And, you know, you, you see the really intense and cool parts of movies, which is really fun, gets the adrenaline going, but also just because I'm curious what trailer packages are going to look like, you know, um, are they, are the trailer, are the trailers going to be ones for movies that, have shifted release dates around? And if so, have the trailers been updated to reflect that? Are, are some smaller movies that are still coming out in the summer, are they going to get more prevalence in, in sort of pre-roll? Um, it, for me, I'll be keeping an eye on what trailers are there before movies and, and how the studios are kind of behaving around that. That'll be one thing I'll be watching out for. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned too, both of you mentioned like the big loud, all that stuff with, with the movies and um, you know, I, I had the thought this weekend because I had the house to myself this weekend. So, and, and recently over the last couple of weeks, um, I've been completely naked. No, um, I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, oh, I, nasty. In- <laughs> I invested in some, uh, curtain, like blackout curtains, uh, to basically my room is at all, like this entire weekend. I didn't know what time it was because it was so dark in my my living room that that I have where I it, it was basically night all the time, and so I that's and I've been doing that because that's the basically the the least amount of light the better when I'm going to a movie theater. I get annoyed sometimes when they keep the lights on a little bit too much. And so I, I've been trying to make sure it's as dark as possible. I rearrange my living room a little bit so that, I, uh, that I'm a little bit closer to the TV. And then being home alone this weekend, I had the sound up to like, 
um, like SpaceX launching up in, in, in the, into space. Like that's how loud it was in there with, with all that. So like I was trying to get, um, at, you know, the, as close to as possible of, of a movie experience. But even so, like having the luxury to pause and go go to the bathroom is, is a luxury. But at the same time, it's like it does take away from my movie experience a little bit. Not being because I, I like I always have kind of like one foot out the door where it's like, oh, I can get up and go if I need to. Where it's like at, at the movie theater, I'm always like I have to stay in the seat. Otherwise, I'm going to miss something, you know. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see, too, of like how when I'm at the movie theater, am I going to have to go to the bathroom more? Am I going to be um, the same amount of invested as I was prior to going prior to all this stuff? Am I going to be more invested? Like it's going to be an adjustment period, which is something I never thought of being like going to the movie theater. It's like, Oh yeah, I've, I've spent the last three, four months watching movies at home, being able to pause, having, I, and I've been pretty good about not looking at my phone and stuff. Um, unless the movie sucks. Um, <laughs> but which which was nice where I haven't bought or rented a lot of movies where where it's been bad that I've had to do that. But um, you know if I get a text or something, I might you know see it and look at it. But anyway, you know how how are the movie habits of just viewing movies going to change? Am I going to just go right back into that same way? Am I going to look at my phone a little more often? Am I going to you know have to go to the bathroom or whatever it is? That'll be interesting to see how that changes too. Yeah, my biggest thing is just watching stuff at home right now is, yeah, definitely, like, I, I'll put my phone in Do Not Disturb, which I do in the movie theater, but, like, if I see a text or something pop up, I I do check it more often at home, and also, I have this weird thing where I even, in the movie theater, sometimes I'm like, I wish that there was, like, a 3D graphic that I could put over, like, 3D glasses and it pops up. I always want to know how much time is left in the movie. That too, I'm like, yep. I'm like, can they, can yep. they wrap it up? Okay, we have 10 minutes. How is this going to happen? And so when I'm in a movie theater, I'm like, I, t- I don't know what fucking time it is. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, I don't know. I don't know. That's one thing that I know at home is definitely a habit of mine. Yep. Checking the time. Um, I'm curious because for me, um, you know, I'm really excited to get back to the movie theater and everything, but I'm specifically going to wait until I can go to Tenet. I'm really excited because I want that to be my first experience back at the movies and i know where you guys are there's some classics playing there's a couple uh, smaller releases and things that are that are already playing is there something you're waiting for that you that you're really wanting to hold out so that it can be your first experience or is there is there anything particular that that you are going to um that would draw you out sooner than that or like what what is it what's what's going to get you there I mean, for me, it's just my specific theater opening. There's been uh, one other theater that opened um, a few weeks ago, but decided not to go. But it's just my the theater that I go to that that I just want to go to a movie there in general. And it would be it, it's funny to think about because like prior to this year, one of the things I'd mentioned with like we'd done like talking about like movie re- resolutions or whatever um, at the beginning of the years, I wanted to go to more classic movies, um, and and I had been prior to everything shutting down. So. That's something I'm, I want to resume until you know, like Mulan comes out. Um, that'll that'll be the first probably. Well, maybe not, you know, because I guess there there have been a couple like quote unquote new movies that came out over the since theaters been closed that have been on VOD that are coming out into theaters. The Wretched is one that I've been seeing um, playing at uh, at the theaters that is on VOD. That is you know a new movie that'll be that that is opening up as theaters open too. So 
you know, stuff like that maybe will come out. But um, yeah, I'll go see classics. But the first real new like release will probably be Mulan. Yeah. I don't know. It really depends because, again, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do reviews and everything, but I think Tenant is the one I'm looking forward to. Uh, Mulan, I'll probably go to. But yeah, Tenant is kind of the one that is, no matter what, like, I'm going to the movie theater for this. Um, I don't know. The whole classics thing that, Seth, you're trying to go after, I like that and everything. I like that um, the one specific movie theater here, when they kind of do up the everything um, with a. You know, you kind of get like a cup with the logo of the movie and, you know, specialized meal and everything. But who knows what's what's going to happen. Um, I, I just miss movie theaters. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it seems like uh, not long now we're, we're, we're very, very close to getting back to some semblance of normal. And when we do, um, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but it kind of seems like there is there is one at least one major release most weeks. Um, for the for the remainder of summer, and you know we'll see as things shift around if that continues to be the case. But um, uh, soon, very soon, we will all be back in the movie theater, and um, very excited to get there. Uh, speaking of well, not speaking of movies, but turning away from them, uh, we got some stuff to review this week on the show, and we're going to start in the TV corner. Television down on the corner. Nobody puts baby. All righty, looks like we've got three shows <clears throat> for the TV corner. I'll go first here. I'm going to be pretty quick on uh, a show on Netflix. It's a documentary series called Hip Hop Evolution. Um, and this is something that I somehow completely missed that this has been a thing for like a few years. There, there's four seasons of Hip Hop Evolution uh, that somehow made their way around me, but Basically, this is uh, just like what it sounds like. It's a story of the origins and the development of hip-hop over the years uh, from the early 70s to today. And you get a lot of really great interviews with, with you know, big-time hip-hop figures. And what's interesting about it is that hip-hop is, is young enough that, like, the, the person who is, who is credited with creating hip-hop is still alive. And so they had that guy, they interviewed him. Um, you know, they, they talked to a lot of the sort of godfathers of hip hop uh, that they refer to. And it was just really cool to see a lot of different artists and a lot of different rappers and producers and folks uh, coming together to kind of, you know, give their thoughts on, on what's been a really interesting story because hip hop has um, a really uh, kind of twisty history uh with a lot of cool characters in it so it's really really fascinating to watch i've i've watched two seasons of it so far and and i know enough to recommend it to anybody if you're at all a hip-hop fan uh and you want to become a historian and learn a couple interesting facts so you can seem like the smart one in your group uh when you're arguing over what rapper is the best uh hip-hop evolution on netflix uh four seasons of it available now i haven't yet seen that they're greenlit for a fifth but um i i haven't seen that there's there was a finale for four either so there could be a season five but i don't have confirmation of that but again uh on netflix you can watch four seasons of it now um and i know i know seth that you have a a netflix one to get to in a second but i do want to save that one for last um because jared uh continuing in the pattern that's been developed uh, over the last month or so another foreign made series that you've checked out 
Yep, yep. I love them foreign language uh, shows and movies on the old Netflix. Uh, plus, I got to see a couple episodes early, so I was like, let's do this. <laughs> um, so this this show that I checked out, it's a mystery thriller kind of suspense uh, called The Woods. It is a Polish series, and I think the reason I actually enjoy I mean, it's six episodes. Each episode is about 50 minutes. And episode one is what really got me on board. Like I mentioned, I think last week or the week before, Quran, it had some faults, um, but it was a quick watch. This one, episode one just instantly got me where, you know, it's it has this dueling kind of storyline where it's taking place in 1994, but also present day 2019, showcasing some of the different or same some of the same characters. And you find out that four kids at a summer camp essentially go missing and this guy one of his one of the people that disappears is his sister so for 25 years he's been like i you know i'm just kind of going through life you know having this chip on his shoulder where he was a counselor and he could have potentially stopped this situation doesn't know what happened to these kids because they never found the bodies and then it is kind of hinted at that one of the people could have potentially showed up um, just recently have died, meaning that the other three kids or people are out there. So it's kind of this, I loved the structure of it because it's like something's happening in 2019 and then it kind of reminds him of something back in 1994 and it flashes back to then and it kind of shows how the events played out differently from what his memory of it was when he's kind of talking to investigators and stuff. Um, so I loved kind of that dueling aspect of the storylines. And then, you know, by the end, it you know, you get the conclusion in both storylines. But it's it, I, I really enjoyed that. The the acting was great. The tone, um, like I mentioned in Quran, you know, they threw in like techno house music. This was like actual like suspense, like kind of thriller music when someone is maybe like creeping up on someone in the dark woods. Um, again, this, this might turn some people off because it's subtitles and it's dubbed in English, but I did have a good time with it. Maybe six episodes might be a long, a long watch for people, but I really did enjoy the, uh, the thriller kind of suspense mystery angles of it, especially when, you know, people are covering, you know, any mystery where it's like, why is this person doing this? And then kind of the pieces of the, uh, or the layers of the onion get, uh, taken off. Um, yeah, I, Netflix, you know, you, sometimes you're burning me on these, but I really had a, a pretty decent time with this one. That sounds cool. That sounds really interesting because I always like a movie where you're, you're set in a current time and, and the movie reveals to you things that happened in the past. So you're mm -hmm. like looking at ramifications and then figuring out the cause. That's a, that's a structure that I've really enjoyed. Yeah, and um, I think that that's the thing is, you know, there's there was people that were back in the camp that were maybe romantically involved or friends, and you find out, like, it shows those people, and it's like, oh, they haven't talked in, like, 25 years, so what happened? And then mm -hmm. you kind of get that backstory when they kind of get reconnected. That's pretty sweet. That's pretty sweet. Uh, if you're looking for a... A, uh, a a horror a horror show a thriller show to watch uh, check out the woods on Netflix um, you're gonna have to listen to some Polish or maybe some dubbing but uh, gets the recommendation from old JB here and uh, we're we're a clean sweep on Netflix this week because Seth you've got uh, the fourth and I and I I hope final season of <laughs> oh, of no. what really has it's really become though a legendary Netflix offering though over time. 
I don't know if legendary is the right word for it, but yeah, um, some legends don't have to be good. <laughs> yeah. It, it's the clean sweep for shows that are on Netflix, but it's not the clean sweep for recommendations. I can tell you that. Um, but yeah, 13 reasons why season four, it is the final season. So, um, I did, I did finish it. Uh, you know, I, I, I chugged through it. Um, I, it, it took a little bit, but I got there. Um, I, I'd realized at the end of the season that I, it really was the first season that I loved the first season so much that kept me going to to finish it because um, it it really was just the the relationship of the first season with the main characters uh, Clay and, and Hannah um, where they it, it was that relationship it was the character of Hannah played by Catherine Langford in general that that just really kept me going that of, of just like hoping they could recapture any sort of that and season two did it in like one scene in the finale um and and that was pretty much it um in general this season deals with so the aftermath of season three uh of where bryce walker uh who's the the piece of crap um from the the entire series um he he gets killed in season in three and the the whole season was about um you know who killed him trying to figure out who killed him and then season four deals with the aftermath of that of uh, of a character uh, who got framed for the murder and and someone who figured out he was framed and and going after the the group uh, of the main group of, of the show um, for framing him essentially and so they're trying to basically someone's tormenting um, the characters the main characters and and um, uh, <laughs> trying to trying to get them to confess to um framing the guy from season three i know it sounds very convoluted and dumb and it was um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, um, i was about to say but, this sounds like it sucks <laughs> yeah it's it's not a good show um the acting is terrible minus a couple of of like the main guy uh dylan minette who plays clay i've always said he's a good actor and i think he is um he he, he does a good job of what he has to do he this season he deals with like mental mental issues like anxiety and and um like even dissociation disorder things like that so like he does go through some like mental breakdowns and things and i think he's a good actor and and again like him and then Catherine langford who i also think is a good actor um like they they carried the first season they were the really the only interesting parts of the first season um and and then you know clay was the only interesting parts of the other seasons and and so like again does a good job um he does a good job but the rest of the cast is not good the season itself has like because they try and talk a lot about issues a lot about talk about a lot of different issues on the show like mental health and and um sexual assault and um i don't know like just about they they throw like everything any sort of issue phrase they they throw um timely as it is they throw in like police brutality and things like that and they like will do those issues and then like in terms of like the police brutality one like they they have they have an they have an episode where they walk out of the school and do like a like a protest and the police start beating up the kids and stuff and then all of a sudden in the next episode they're like the police are good so like they do shit like that where they're like they talk about the issues and then they like completely flip on it. it so like, it, it was like really 
strange. Um, like they, they just were trying to throw everything into like commentary and then just didn't deliver on it type of thing. Um, and like were contradicting themselves throughout it. Um, so just very badly written and made and acted. Um, I, they, with it being the final season, they do make some references to like the first season, which are the, is literally other than, you know, Dylan Minnette, literally the only thing I enjoyed, which was they only, they did that in the, in the last episode, they referenced the first season. They even show a little bit of Hannah Baker, um, in like a, like a tease type of scene. And as soon as she, as soon as she showed up on the screen, I, I was like, oh man, like I, I instantly like was I, like had some sort of emotional reaction to it. I'm like, okay, yeah. And then I was like, oh yeah, th- that's the only reason I like the show. And so like it carried four seasons of watching it uh, of from that first season, but you know, it's not good. Um, I, you know, I can, I can report that it's, it's not, it's five seconds of a scene like i can i would say just if you're gonna watch if you haven't seen the first season watch the first season watch the last episode of season two uh, like the last 15 minutes and then watch um like the last seven or eight minutes of season four and that's all you need to watch um (laughs) that that's pretty much it from there like they show the tapes and i'm spoiling it but i don't give a fuck like you shouldn't watch the show so um they show like they have like a whole thing with the tapes from season one um, that, that's kind of symbolic and, and, and cool and stuff, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's bad. It's a, it's a bad show. It's like a really bad show. Like it's, <laughs> it's terrible. Um, but it was all at the same time too. It was just like kind of a, you know, a, a guilt show. Like I watched it to like, cause I wanted to see how the story ended. Um, but I'm never going to like, I might go back and watch the first season again sometime. Cause I, I still do love that first season is great. It, it's one of my favorite seasons of TV ever but um the, the rest of it's, it's complete uh balls so i uh, <laughs> don't don't like i said watch the first season watch the last 15 minutes of season two the last 15 minutes of season three or season four and and, and you're good yeah i i i i don't take any real pride in this but th- this is what i expected you know even mm-hmm. when they announced season two I was like, why? It was because it really was. I agree with you. And I didn't I didn't like go into season one wanting to love it. I went in because everyone was like, you must fucking watch this. And I was like, fine, I'll fucking watch it. But I did really, really like season one. I thought it was excellent. Um, but I also felt that it was self-contained and they had told the story they wanted to tell. So when they came back and started doing everything else, I was like, I, I'm just, staring clear of this. Yeah. It just got out of control. Like it didn't <laughs> the the first season felt even though you know crazy shit happens, the first season still felt like a real world. You know, it mm-hmm. still felt like this is, like you said, contained, and it feels like felt like this could all happen. In, you know, I guess it could. I mean, it it felt like it, it felt like it could happen. You know, it felt like this is something that is, is you know there, there was a lot of issues and things like that going on, but it felt like that it wasn't too far fetched wasn't too mm-hmm. out of the realm of possibility season two even that and that wasn't even that wild yet but season two was just bad but it it, it started to get kind of out there like a little too out th- and then season three was just like okay high school kids are murdering kids and now they're like framing kids and like it just it felt like just too 
too like too uh, outside of the realm of possibility. It felt like the the characters within the shows were making decisions that their character from season season one would have never made. And like, yes, people grow and change. Like I, from freshman year to senior year of high school, I was a completely different person. But I was never gonna cover up a murder. So like, <laughs> so, so like the, these kids just like they are. It's there. There's something to be said for growth. Yes, like any great TV show that goes over time has characters that grow and change, but they aren't completely fucking different people. And that's what happened with this show. And and they were they were making choices that contradict who they are from season one, because even season one takes place over the course of like a year. And so like that that type of change over a year, like that. Yes, I, I get that. But the change that they make of being entirely different people. 100% like going completely against the the morals and things like they they had in in the early seasons it it just it just didn't make any sense it just it's just a badly written show it was just mm-hmm. it was just bad and it's because they didn't have any source material season 1 had the the source material like they had the book to work off of and for the most part it was pretty close to the book other than some things they had to add in because the book was shorter than the 13 episodes of TV they had. But after that, when they had to go completely away from the book entirely and just start making up shit off of a show, the premises of this girl who makes these tapes and then she's dead. And now they're like, okay, 13 reasons why is literally the 13 reasons why she, you know, committed suicide. They still like, it doesn't even make sense to have the show the same name, you know, like, they completely at least season two still had some of the 13 reasons stuff like they had like evidence and stuff 13 pieces of evidence there's no reason the show should be even called 13 reasons why anymore like it just they just milked it for as much as they could and you know people still watch it it's still like number the last two weeks now it's been number at least like in the top five of most most watch so people still enjoy it but it it just wasn't well made at all Mm -hmm. that's a bummer it really is. Jared, did you ever see, did you maybe watch some of the early seasons of this? No, I. I it sounds like I'm glad I didn't. Um, I remember when season one came out and like everyone was creaming their jeans over it. <laughs> I, re- I remember uh, taking like an Uber f- home from the bar and the Uber driver, it's like two o'clock a.m. and he's like raving about the show. Um, I never saw it. Um, so it sounds like two, three, and four just <clears throat> burn. Just mm-hmm. don't watch. Yeah. And and but. further, season like season one too, like because I've only ever seen season one. I haven't watched a minute of what's passed, and I'm fine with that. Like I don't have any FOMO or anything like that. So I, I and Seth both would recommend you watch season one if you're interested. But there's no need for you to go past that. It sounds like you agree with that. Yeah, and season two is there. There, you know what I will say. It, what is? It felt kind of. It's still. Yeah, even season two is outside of their own because like he Clay has he like visions Hannah that whole season. So Catherine Langford was still in season two, which I'd forgotten about even until um, I'd rewatched this, but like, or had watched season four, but like he has visions of her and is like talking to her, even though she's dead. Um, And there's like a nice scene where um, she kind of like, is like, he says goodbye to her at like a funeral. And there's like a scene of, him like at the dance listening to the song from season one which i think pretty much everyone's heard that lord huron song Mm -hmm. um 
and, and you know, like they say goodbye to her in the perfect way. And what was nice is they never went back to her. Like they could have easily like paid Catherine Langford a shitload of money to come back and continue somehow continue the story or whatever. Um, so they didn't do that. Like they at least kind of respected that, which was nice. Like when they said goodbye to her, they said goodbye to her. Um, but it just, like I said, it, it got way too fucking out there, and they just like they they let the like if you're casting a fucking fishing pole, they just it just didn't stop. It just kept flying out into the fucking <laughs> ocean. <laughs> like it was so bad. Man, well that's a bummer, but um, maybe not a surprise. So for folks. Looking for stuff to watch on Netflix uh, this week, we can recommend Hip Hop Evolution and The Woods, um, but maybe steer clear of 13 Reasons Why. Uh, not a good review this week in the TV corner. Television! Down on the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. And now it's time for Raid That Pun. My ex-wife still misses me, but her aim is starting to improve. Twenty-two point five percent THC. Alrighty, so moving on from TV into the world of movies, uh, Jared did some homework this week. It's We Missed the Boat. All righty. So another uh, shot at the old list here. So for those who don't know, we missed the boat. Uh, Seth and I and Jared have assigned each other movie homework to do. Uh, these are movies that we've all recommended to one another, but some of us haven't seen yet. And so Jared, for the first time, has seen a movie that was recommended by Seth and I and is going to review it for us now. So, Jared, what did you have the pleasure, <laughs> I hope, of, uh, of seeing this last week? Yes, yes, yes. Um, so I, yesterday I was like, oh, I got some extra time. What should I watch? Um, First Reformed, about two hours. Hmm, I don't know about that one. Godfather, 240. Mm, <laughs> maybe not. Schindler's List, 17 days. Probably not going to watch that one. So I resorted on the uh, shortest of the five that I had, Moonrise Kingdom. Ooh, nice. Oh, yeah. um, Wes Anderson film, I believe, isn't it, Wes Anderson? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, I don't think – I think the only film I've seen of his – and you can easily tell what his movies are. Um, mm-hmm. Funny thing, going back to that whole PlayStation thing, there was a video game <laughs> – that Cody and I both exactly at the same time texted, is this a Wes Anderson video game? Because <laughs> the style of his filmmaking is very much present there. Um, the only one I had seen, yeah, the the Grand Budapest Hotel. But this one was, it, it, it has that like, pastel type colors and it's bright and it all there's like these individual sets and very quick witty banter that's very weird at times like it starts off with this camp and they're building a a really tall treehouse um (laughs) and then the kid escapes by cutting like a like a hole through through his tent i don't know it's a very weird movie and i guess i didn't expect it to be almost kind of like this coming of age love story type thing with shenanigans thrown in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed it, but I don't know if I am on board with his style of filmmaking. I don't know. I think it's a thing. I know a lot of people give this movie high praises and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I thoroughly enjoyed all of the acting and, you know, again, the situations that the characters got into. I mean, a kid gets struck by lightning and explodes. <laughs> like, it is very goofy and funny. Like, at the, you know, people are getting put through these kind of, you know, borderline horrific things. But by the end of the day, they're, they're perfectly fine. They're, you know, all happy and everything. But it just, it's, it's weird. Like, his style is so, it's family fun whatnot but also just goofy and like i don't know um it's tough for me to try to even explain this movie but i had a pretty good time with it It, it's kind of a feel-good type movie um that's very weird and goofy it kind of has a hint of a style of also um jojo rabbit i would say i mean just kind of the Mm -hmm. the outfits um and whatnot um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of curious what you, if you, either of you guys have seen it and what your guys' kind of take on it is. So this was one of the original movies, I believe, on my list. Um, mm-hmm. Seth recommended okay. it to me. And I hadn't seen much Wes Anderson either, but I've tried a couple since. Um, I, I really liked Moonrise Kingdom. I thought it was enjoyable. The comparison to Jojo Rabbit that you just made is, I think, apt. Um, I'll tell you this. This is, in my opinion, we'll see if Seth agrees in a second, uh, Wes Anderson's maybe most accessible movie. And mm-hmm. so if, you, if you're if you not sure, maybe don't go with more Wes Anderson. Because I, I think this one might be, like I said, the most accessible one. Seth, would mm-hmm. you, you've probably seen more than I have. Would you agree? Yeah, that's, that's my favorite for sure. And yeah, I, I would agree that that's the most accessible. Um, yeah, I don't, it, yeah, it, it's definitely my favorite. It's It's got that, it's, it's my first one I saw too, which so got me, got me into more Wes Anderson. I, I, I think I've seen about half of the Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen Isle of Dogs. Um, but yeah, it, it, I, I like it. I like his, I like his style. I think it's, it's extremely unique. Um, you know, when you see one of his movies, you know, like this is Wes Anderson. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and you don't, I mean, there's not a ton of directors that have that, you know, I, I mean, you can tell a little bit it, with certain directors, but like with him, Tarantino, it's like, um, and and Nolan, but even Nolan too. It's like people try and copy his his style, and so mm-hmm. people have, or movies have been kind of adapted. You really can't with like Tarantino and and, and even Aunt Wes Anderson. Like you can't do it the same way. No matter what you try, you just can't do it the same way. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah, and, like. This this movie, yeah, like you're saying, it's just it. You turn it on and you're like, who? Like I don't know. You give me ten movies to watch, I can easily pick out which ones he's done. Mm-hmm. And I think is it because he uses a lot of sets rather than mm-hmm. actual um, like filming locations? Because again, that the opening of the house, how the camera just goes from like it's like pan full room, full mm-hmm. room. Yep. Or like camera on top of a car driving with another car driving and it switches scenes but the camera and like the car are in the exact same spot mm-hmm. or people like I don't know he does such a weird thing where I, I guess not weird but unique where yeah mm-hmm. it's like the framing goes cohesively from scene to scene but it's completely different uh, mm-hmm. atmosphere landscape and character. Mm-hmm. It's like his yep. I think it's his blocking like yes there we go it's it's very symmetrical and and where most movies are going to shoot dialogue like at a quartered angle like you're seeing one half of one person's face and the opposite half of the other person's face kind of side to side um almost all the dialogue in these movies is given straight at the camera Mm -hmm. so like there's a lot of like really centralized characters with with symmetry around them and then like really unique color palettes 
on each yep, room. So as they're going from room to room, you see a change of color. And that, I think, really informs most of the characters too, right? You yep. see brighter colors for more happy people and et cetera down the line. Yep. The, the, I mean, even down to like, yeah, like you said, the, the, the tone, like the color, the tones, the music, the dialogue, like all of it is just so like all put together, you know, a lot of people will take certain aspects of his movies and use it, but like all of it put together, is just, I don't think anyone can do that successfully, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. without being like, this is, this is a, a ripoff or a parody. Like the way he does it is just so unique. Um, I, I really like his movies a lot. I, and Moonrise Kingdom, I think, is the most commercial, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, 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 it, I haven't seen it in years, but I, I remember watching it and just being really like, this is, it's, it's probably one of the first movies where I thought, like, this is, this is different. Like, this, this mm-hmm. is like a, 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 is such a, all of it is such a choice. Where I, where I even thought about like watching it, like these, these are all very distinct choices. You know, it's not like a, you know, this is an auteur, you know, like this is, you know, anything like that. Mm -hmm. But it's just all, this first time I thought like this guy has, has, you know, he had to specifically think about everything that he's doing in order to make this his style. Um, Yeah, I, I I love Moonrise Kingdom. And then, of course, Bill Murray is always great. So I I always love seeing him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And and that's the thing is, again, I I haven't seen a lot of uh, Wes Anderson films, but I feel like he he grabs from the same kind of pool of people that are in all of his films. So it's kind of funded, you know, they I also feel like, you know, they're just they all have that rapport. And it's like, okay, we're going to do another one of these movies. Let's put on these short shorts and this pastel shirt. (laughs) <laughs> Jason's Jason Schwartzman in a yes. Wes Anderson movie is like the most specific thing, uh, and I love him in the in in the couple movies of his that I've seen. Um, but it's almost like Schwartzman was built to be in Wes Anderson. Him and Ed Norton, I think, are the two yep. that stand out the yep. most to me. Bill Murray as well, but I haven't seen like The Life Aquatic, so I don't know. You know, I haven't seen him prominently featured as much. But um, but yeah, that's an interesting interesting little movie there. Um, Seth, I, I know we, we need to replace this movie on Jared's list. Do you have any ideas top of mind? I've got a couple, but what, what have you got? Let me, I think I had something, but I don't know if I do anymore. What do you got first? Uh, let's see. What about, oh, I got one. Um, did you ever watch the movie Dear White People? No, I haven't. Okay. Make that one. Put that one on your list. Um, I was going to talk about Dear White People as part of my one more thing, but, um, and I, maybe I still will, but it's, it's timely and it is, it is pretty funny and pretty creative and it's a lot of satire. Um, but it's also topical. Uh, I think you'll dig it. And Tessa Tom, this was, this was, I fell hard in love with Tessa Thompson in this movie. She plays the main character and, uh, that has not stopped ever since. So, uh, if for no other reason than to watch Tessa Thompson in my favorite role that she's done so far, um, Dear White People is a good one. I think, yeah, I think that should be the one. All right. Booyah. All right. So, Dear White People. You just made the list! And it joins, uh, let's see, what, el- what else uh, does that join on the list? You mentioned a couple of them before, but what was that right um, I don't have the list here handy, but what, we got Dear White People that you just threw on, First Reformed, The Godfather, uh, Schindler's List, and there was one other one. I don't know what it is. Oh, Mr. Nobody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that yeah, was another long stuff. movie. And I'm like, geez, stop giving me these lo- long movies. Yeah, that one's long as fuck. I'm pretty sure Dear White People's under two hours. Um, so maybe you'll watch that next time. Um, <laughs> that is a common thing. Seth and I do that too. It's like, uh, what's the shortest one of these? <laughs> yep. 
Um, Seth, I don't know what the shortest movie on your list is, but you're going to have to review one for us next week. What are your options here? Yeah, hope, we'll see if I get to it. I got a busy weekend this week, uh, weekend, so hopefully I can get to one. Um, but uh, I got Sing Street, The, the Game, the game. Uh, Training Day, Locke, and Hidden Figures. Um, and I have been you know putting off the game because of that but you know we'll see we'll see we'll see what happens with uh, what i choose next week oh man yeah you definitely got some bangers on that one that'll be exciting to see um so jared saw moonrise kingdom come back next week for a movie from cecilist for we missed the boat oh i'm on a boat and you're gonna need a bigger boat Alrighty, let's move forward and do some some current movies. I'm excited because I get to participate for the first time in months in uh, <laughs> some some brand new spanking new movie reviews. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. And you know what? I'm so excited. I want to go first. Um, these reviews the movie, are spanking. This is oh, th- we're gonna spank Whoops. these movies. Um, I know there's at least one that's gonna get spanked. Um, <laughs> Let's talk first about a movie I think all of us saw. Did you guys catch The Five Bloods from Spike Lee? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Sweet. Um, so this, for folks at home, uh, is a Netflix release. Came out last week and features a group of five... Uh, Bloods. Well, a group of four, I guess. So th- it's, it's a group of black Vietnam veterans who are returning to Vietnam uh, in present day in order to find the remains of their friend. And um, I don't think this is a spoiler to reveal. And uh, some gold, some treasure that they hid with their friend's remains. And so there's there's a lot going on in this movie. There, there's sort of a old friends reuniting after many years. We talked about this when Jared was talking about the woods earlier. You get to kind of think, oh, you know, what's happened to these guys since they saw each other last? And and the past kind of unfolds along with the present. So not only do you get to see these old veterans and and in some of their cases, you know, the effects of the Vietnam War that still linger, um, you get to see, you know, old, old friends reconnecting. You get to see some of the politics, some of the hidden politics around the Vietnam War, especially uh, around the civil rights movement that was going on at the same time. Uh, there is a, um, you know, a jungle exploration movie in here as well there is a um i i know that it's not this by by technical determination but kind of that cartel style violence in this where there's some uh some gang people that you know there's some violence with that they have to fight against um there is a shitload going on in this movie and and as such it's very very long it's like two hours and 40 minutes and um, it is chock full of Spike Leeness the whole way through. Um, a lot of extended, uh, extended tracking shots, like directly at the camera, which is kind of a pedestal of his. A lot of, lot of cutting away to, to news and other just like editorializing items from current politics. Um, so as they're mentioning things uh, within the context of the movie, they'll cut away and show you something that kind of hammers home. You know, a lot of times it's a shot of Trump. Um, and they'll be like, oh, you know, what about that idiot we got in the White House now? And they'll like cut to a shot of Trump saying something stupid and then they'll cut back to the movie. So uh, Spike Lee's fingerprints are all over this. I, I, it, it's interesting for me to try to decide whether or not I liked this movie because there, were, there was a lot I really did enjoy. 
Uh, I thought some of the emotional beats worked well. I thought the discussion of PTSD was really interesting in this, albeit maybe not handled as delicately as, as, as I think some would hope. Um, I think the exploration of the, the civil rights movement as it related to Vietnam and the war was really interesting. Uh, the exploration of Vietnam as it is today, uh, which a lot of people don't really think about, I thought was cool. So there was a lot of really interesting things. It felt a little bloated for me. I thought he tried to do a lot that he didn't need to. Uh, and I don't think the the runtime was completely necessary. So I'm a little mixed on this one. There was a lot I really enjoyed, but I did have some nitpicks. What were some of your guys' thoughts? Um, I really liked it. I, I thought I, 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 I'm a sucker for these type of like um, buddy get together, get back together movies like that type of thing, like re, reuniting. Um, and so like I didn't know. I, again, this haven't watched trailer, so I didn't know. I knew going in that it was people going back to um, people who are Vietnam War vets going back. Um, and I kind of knew about the gold thing going in. But I didn't know how serious it was going to be. I didn't know, you know, like, like I, I just didn't really know the characters, like anything. So, like, uh, from from the beginning, they kind of go in, like, joking and, like, they have that whole, they, they all meet up at the hotel and, like, all that stuff. So, like, I... Like, it was actually pretty funny at the beginning, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, them joking around and stuff. So there was some humor in it. There's even some humor in the jungle. Like, it had – it was, like, a serious without without a paddle, <laughs> you know, like, that type oh of gosh, version. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it had that it had that same type of style to it. But then, like, obviously, again, like, very important commentary in amazing performance by um, – I can't remember. The, I don't know the actor's Del name. Delroy Lindo. There you yep. go. Yep. Um, he, he is incredible incredible um the the scenes where he there's scenes where he's like kind of like he he's staring into the camera giving giving a, a monologue to the camera uh walking along in the jungle and it's like holy shit um a, like a lot of really uh, uh again commentary but like it, it's very relate related to what's going on right now i see i i thought a lot of the things that a lot of the messages that he was talking about were i thought they were they were well done and and well received um yes there was a lot going on in the movie but for me I I I kind of I I I digested it pretty well so I don't know I I thought it was I thought it was really well done like and I don't I'm not saying that you didn't think it was well done but I you mm-hmm. know I I think that I took it all in and and I you know I did pause it a couple times and go to the bathroom or whatever so there's a few times where I I kind of was able to stop and kind of think and then restart it. So this is probably a good movie where I, to have, to watch at home and to be able to have the point to pause um, because I was able to kind of stop and start a, a few, at a few moments. Cause I didn't even, I did even like, as I was watching it, wait for a moment to where like things had kind of come to a lull and stop, go to the bathroom get a, you know, refill my water or whatever it was and then restart it. So that actually kind of helped, I think, too. Um, but I thought I thought the performances all around are really good. But you know, in in, in particular, that what you hit the guy's name you said. <laughs> um, I thought this. I thought the style and like overall, like being in the jungle and all that stuff was was really cool. Um, the the violence was pretty brutal. Um, I I I enjoyed the different um, aspect the aspect ratios of it of going back and forth in time i'm a mm-hmm. sucker for that in general of like 
the and I know I've said that twice now, but the, in general of like the how they use different um, lenses and different aspect ratios to show differences in time. I thought that was a cool artistic choice, even to the point of like they didn't make a big point of making the guys look younger mm-hmm. from the flashback scenes. I yeah. liked that. I thought that was a cool like almost of of those guys their like this is their memory of it. So like okay. When you when you don't when you don't um I guess when when we think back on memories I don't necessarily, you know, I still kind of, kind of see, and I don't know how you guys do it, but I still kind of see people as they are now a little bit. Like if, if I think back of a memory of Cody, I'm going to, and Cody hasn't changed, you know, he still looks like a you know 16 year old. Um, I, you know, he, same thing with Jared too, I guess, <laughs> but I still see, I, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I still, I still see, you know, I, I, I see everyone as they are now, but within those you know within those those contexts so i don't know i i think that was a choice I, you know they could have easily spent the money it was a netflix movie they could have easily spent the mo- the money on de-aging but they didn't mm-hmm. and i think that was a choice yeah um i thought the music was amazing they used some marvin gay songs and stuff like that um i i really this is one of my favorite movies this year i think um i i really enjoyed it a lot nice nice mm-hmm. yeah um I don't know if I'm as high as you are, Seth. Um, I might be on the same uh, wavelength as Cody here, where I had a few nitpicks. I, yeah, I think that he he tried to do a lot in this movie, and it it hits a lot of things. You know, it's a treasure hunting movie. It's a PTSD kind of uh, like almost therapeutic type movie. It's a hey, let's get the gang back together type movie. Um, there's a lot of different tones, a lot of different feelings. Um, he, he definitely has some serious stuff to say, and it's almost like, I, I think in my review I had mentioned, it's almost like a historical look, almost an educational type film, because um, some of that Vietnam stuff that they kind of open the film with, I believe, and they kind of sprinkle in, I guess I just wasn't aware of that stuff. Again, I'm not, I don't, I don't know history um, too well, so some of that was, you know, kind of eye-opening or, um, you know, again, educational. Um, I think my one of my things is you actually just touched on it, Seth, where I did have a little bit of a problem with those older people being in the past. But <laughs> then a day or two later, I was like, you know what? He's going with the fact that it's like memories, them going and kind of like almost reliving this through their mind. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. But the way that it was kind of filmed, I don't know. I think it was like the the muzzle flares and the, the sound effects of the guns it felt like a cheesy 80s movie, which I think that that's what he was going for, like almost like a Rambo-esque movie. Um, again, it was artistic choices and everything. For some reason, that little bit came off as cheesy. I liked the aspect ratio and the filtering and almost the color palette and tones to symbolize a different time period, but I think that just everything around it felt a little goofy. Um, that's just my opinion, Like especially when they're shooting up at uh, Vietnam, uh, like... What Vietnam? I don't know what you call the soldiers back then. Um, when you're oh, shooting Vietnam. up at them on like a hill, um, yeah, I don't know. I that was kind of one thing, but I really like uh, Delroy Lindo. I believe uh, he is goddamn when he's talking straight to the camera. Mm-hmm. It is it is powerful. And there's one scene specifically in this movie where they all kind of have to work together, and it is it is a tense, tense, tense scene. And yeah, I'll also throw in it's a it's a very brutal um, 
movie as well. There's certain things that happen, and I guess I just maybe I'm not fully aware of uh, Spike Lee's style, but I was like, oh, damn, that just happened. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Spike's an interesting cat because – it's he's not quite I wouldn't say to the level of uniqueness that like a Wes Anderson like you can look at any single frame of a Wes Anderson movie and know it's his. With mm-hmm. Spike, you'd have to you'd have to maybe watch a half hour or so I think to to know for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I the, think that's present here. And you know until he cuts away or with certain language, there's the classic tracking shot right at the. The, there's a shot of them dancing through a nightclub dude in this movie. i love like, that that was, that was my, my favorite. favorite like i was smiling yep. so big yep. watching that scene yep yeah that, that that scene right there just that single shot and it's a long shot that move that is better than the entire movie of last vegas <laughs> and it says all the same things <laughs> um and, and i even thought about that shot throughout the movie because i'm like at the beginning of this movie they're all like having like they they show up at this bar they show up at this hotel and are dancing and they like the one guy immediately has a drink from like the second he the, the first shot he's on camera he has a drink and like they're living at a, they're 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 not living but they're at a resort like and you go from that to like you know people dying and shit so like it's it's even that like that i was thinking back and like how how crazy like that whole it made me even think just like how Vietnam is like where even mm-hmm. that stuff still kind of exists, you know, like mm-hmm. there, there, there's some stuff with like some shocking moments that happens where like that people still have to deal with that situation. I don't want to say yeah. too much, but yeah. like yep. that's real, like that's taken from real life and like how you can be on a resort it even goes like stuff to like Mexico, like in Cancun and stuff where you can be on a resort and get unlimited drinks and like party and stuff. But you walk two miles out from that, mm-hmm. and you could die. You know? Yeah. So yeah. like, you know, it's it's like that. Even that type of stuff still exists, and like that's that's real. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, what you're kind of saying, almost like that symbolism of going to this lavish lifestyle, back to the past, dealing with that PTSD, because yeah. it it does do a great kind of uh, showcase. Like it shows you how someone can essentially be on edge, can flip, have nightmares, really not be able to just be themselves anymore because of things that have haunted them mm-hmm. and kind of coming to a conclusion or coming to grasps that certain things happened outside of your realm. Like you couldn't do anything about it and mm-hmm. you have to live with that. Well, they even mentioned too, because um, when they show up on the resort, someone ma- makes a comment of like um, – when we were here last, we were fighting on this land, and now there's a hotel here, you know? Yep, like, yep. they even mention that in the movie. Um, so, like, yeah, it's it's crazy, like, how, how how things have changed versus, like, where they were back then. And um, the, the whole movie is a, really about that in general of, like, and, and it's just, I've been thinking about how a lot of shows and movies what what seems un- unintentional but at the same time could be intentional like intentional of like how many of these how much like art is reflecting the times that are going on right now of like th- this movie is so relevant of like protests and mm-hmm. black lives matter there's even reference to black lives matter in the movie i would um, i was gonna ask something do you guys think that they added that in after the fact or no. was that way too soon no i okay. I, I i don't think they added it i i think that was that was i bet it point. was like I bet it was, and this is a sad thing to say, but it 
it could have been inspired by any one of like a dozen yeah. news. Case. Like if he wrote it any time over the last five years, it could have yep. been. You know, there's a bunch that could have inspired it. So yeah, mm-hmm, I, right. I would doubt. I would doubt if they edited any if they edited anything in like crazy recently. But it it was inspired by Black Lives Matter, no doubt. Right. But no, like how like how it came out within you know two weeks of everything you know kind of getting coming to a head, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's pretty timely. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know I've, I I don't know I, I, I don't, maybe my viewing experience is a little different or uh, looked at it in a different light. I don't know what it is, but I I I it hit it hit in all the the right places for, for me. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, you know what? That makes me really fucking happy that you like that movie that much because. I was worried that I would be the highest on it, and it's and it's so long <laughs> that I was like, "Oh man, yeah. I hope these guys." Didn't and I don't like it. long movies. I mean, we we've talked with with the miss the boat. I'm not. When I saw this is two and a, I, I wasn't look. I I watched um, another movie. I'll re- we'll review in a little bit. I watched that on because how my weekends have basically been is I wake up on Saturday morning, and because my brain is stupid, I wake up at like five thirty or six, or six o'clock in the mornings on the weekends. Um, without an alarm, and I get up on Saturday, and I, I the movie I'm looking forward to the most, I watch it, and then, or for like depending on my mood too. But then Sunday I'll watch the other movie or other two movies or whatever it is, and so I watched that one second. I watched Defy Bloods on on Sunday, and I just like I don't I feel like it's gonna be heavy and and you know I just I I'm more in the mood to laugh. Um. This, just in general this weekend so when i watch this i'm like we'll see and immediately it starts off and i'm like okay i can get into this <laughs> and because it started it started off with like that type of tone like a more uh more upbeat tone and like the buddy type stuff going on it opened my mind up to being like okay you know i whatever they throw at me i know there's gonna be some heavy stuff and there, there are there is like the an immediate scene at the beginning where it's like this is heavy, but then when they get into the actual story, it lightens up a little bit. So soon, like once the light lightened up stuff happens, and they then they move into slowly the the heavier stuff. I was I was like, okay, I I'm I'm into this world, into these characters. Let's go. I'm I'm ready for a you know a good a good story here. So I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. that's my my mindset. No, that's interesting. I and I, I I did like it a lot. I just had my few nitpicks, and it's it's interesting. I think what Spike Lee has done with his last couple movies, the last one being Black Klansman, um, mm-hmm. and as I say that, there may have been a something he released in between, but it wasn't certainly as wide a release. Um, but um, finding the the kind of untold stories um, in Black history specifically, because like you know we weren't n- nobody before this movie was thinking. Oh, you know what I think about often is the Black soldiers of Vietnam. No one was fucking thinking about that, and it was the same way with Black Klansmen. No one really knew that story, and so I've really appreciated what Spike is kind of bringing out and showing, and he does it in his Spike style and makes it currently relevant. And uh, I think he's doing some really good work lately. That's not to say he hasn't always been, but I've really appreciated his last couple offerings quite a bit. Um, We've gone on way too long about the five bloods, but um, I think like like Jared and I, we you know we have our nitpicks, but Jared, would you agree that this is still like a recommend, like it's it's worth watching for folks? Oh yeah, yeah. I still gave this a very high rating on my on my mm-hmm. scale. I think that you know I just had a few nitpicks and a few artistical choices that I didn't see the filmmaker's point of view or perspective on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we know it gets a big thumbs up from Seth. So watch. The Five Bloods, again, buckle up because it's a long one, but uh, available 
on Netflix right now. And uh, we've got two other movies. And uh, I, the, for the second one, uh, two of us started it, but only one could finish. Um, so j- Story of my j- life. J- <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. There you go. Uh, so Jared, this this was a a Disney Plus drop, I believe, here that you got. Yes, yes, Disney Plus drop indeed. One that was supposed to be theatrical, theatrically released, and then just kind of dumped on the platform. We have Artemis Fowl, which is I I, I believe Seth says a very beloved novel, young adult series. Is that correct? Yeah, it's it's a it's. I read the first four. Um, How many are there? I think they're like. Well, what they did is is they had like I think four or five. I was reading the Wikipedia when I had started the movie, but um, and this is one too, like where you talked about earlier of being able to like uh, look at the time remaining. I was watching it and I'm like, okay, this is this you know I got to be a good chunk into the movie, and I pulled up my phone and Disney Plus showed that I, I was only like 15 minutes in, and I'm like, <laughs> oh boy, I'm not gonna keep watching this. Because so you I, are you are still going through the exposition. Yeah, um, fucking Mulch Diggums was was <laughs> taking too long, jo- and it was Josh Gad. So I'm like, fuck yeah. this. I don't want to watch Josh Gad talk anymore. <laughs> um, but but like, because um, yeah, it, I I think what they ended up doing. I read the Wikipedia. I think they did like five or six of the original series. They'd stop for a little bit and then did like a spinoff or reimagined thing. I know they like had his kid. He apparently had kids. Artemis had kids at one point. And they they brought them into it and did the spinoff of them. So I don't know. I I stopped up because I think the last one I read was supposed to be the finale of it, and then um, hmm. then they kept going. Okay. Anyways, getting back into the movie, yeah, it's it's supposed to follow this twelve year old super genius uh, criminal, I guess. And the kind of the setup of the movie is his father goes missing, he's kidnapped. You find out, and they they're they're holding a ransom for this very like. Uh, sought-after fairy um, treasure called the Oculus, I believe, or Oculus. Um, but the first, like, this movie, I, I honestly, like, you guys are lucky you didn't watch this because it's only an hour and a half, a little over that, which they cut it down, I guess, theatrically. It was supposed to be almost two hours, about an hour 55. Um, and there's a lot of scenes in the trailers that don't even exist in this movie. Like, half the trailer doesn't exist um those scenes don't are not in this movie um this was the longest movie i've ever watched and it's only an hour and 30 minutes it just drags on so so much and i don't want to just sit here and shit on this movie the whole time but it is so exposition and voiceover heavy that i'm just like i could have maybe just listened to an audiobook and gotten more out of it because it opens with yes josh gad is this character um they they chose to do black and white which i'm i'm curious if they did that to cut down on the lighting and stuff because this was added in after the fact because it's just him sitting in a room essentially getting interviewed and it's about 15 minutes of him just explaining, like, this kid is this, this person is this, this world exists, this happens, this happens, this happens, and into the story. And the whole story, I was hoping that it would dive into this 12-year-old of him going on this heist, essentially, stealing something. Um, instead, it's just a bunch of fairies that show up to his house <laughs> in a time bubble, and uh, there's a standoff. Um 
this very much falls into the same vein of A Wrinkle in Time, Tomorrowland, those kind of weird Disney movies that you they have something great to pull from and just completely crap the bed. And I don't know, this movie, there, I'm sorry, but there was just nothing really that draws you in. I don't even know from like a children's perspective what really draws them in because it is so exposition heavy. It's voiceover heavy. Characters are just coming into the fold and they actually like introduce them and then they just disappear. Like mm-hmm. then they show up in another scene for like 10 seconds and I'm like, wait a minute, who is that person and why do they have a speaking line? Oh yeah, I forgot. Mulch Diggum mentioned them in his 15 minute voiceover at the beginning of the film. Um, it's it's almost a movie that's set up what movie you actually want to see. Um, <laughs> because none none of this, none of it is, I guess, fun or enjoyable. It's just you somehow drawing through this poorly acted, the costumes aren't great, there's some weird visual effects. I, I don't really even know kind of where the character starts and ends. Like, I don't think that they really learned anything. And again, it's it's what you want for like a five-minute prologue is that what comes at the beginning um before the actual like what the actual movie should be um again i didn't read the books so i don't know if like his father goes missing and he has to hunt after him is that yes okay um so basically the i mean from the beginning so you think uh, in in the book, you think his dad's dead, and then they combine in the second. Basically, they combine the first two or three movies into this hour and a half first for, first two or three books into the in the into the hour and a half movie. So, uh, you think you're told the first book that he's dead. Um, the second book is actually you find out he is alive, and they're trying to go get him. Um, the mom is alive in the first in in the books. She's dead in the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book, she's got like this. Um, she she doesn't talk anymore. She's kind of like there's something that happened to her. Um, so like Artemis basically raised himself with Butler. Um, I think in the books the or I know in the books the the relationship between him and Butler is like a huge deal. And I don't I didn't finish the movie, so I don't know if like that's the, it. It just introduces like hey, this yeah. is Butler. Don't call him Butler. Yeah. Um, and I think in the books they call him, but like that's that's the whole thing is they call him Butler. <laughs> um, like that's that's his name. Um, uh. The I think in the I heard I read in the movie that they introduce his like niece or something. Yep. Which is not that that's that comes later in the books and that's like not, I said that was a character that was just like oh yeah and her and his niece and yeah. she like runs around for like two minutes and you never see her again. Yeah, like that that's something that comes later in the books that um, is is kind of a bigger deal in the books later. Um, the thing you mentioned they're going after is uh, not real uh in, in terms of the books um, believe me it wasn't real in this movie either you mean yeah, they like made up a fairy treasure in this that's not real those fuckers yeah yeah stick to I mean, the source material buddy he is way more of a dickhead in the books like he the artemis is like way more of an anti-hero where like um he has he never gets redeemed in the books like he he's he does good things but he's not ever really redeemed like he's doing mm-hmm. things selfishly that are good um He's like trying, um, trying to get the magic. Like basically, he's trying to, like, take over the magic world and, yeah. and have control of the magic, and that's the whole thing. Like, it's not after. He's not trying to go after a certain, like, book or. I mean, he has trying. There is a part where he's trying to go after a book, but he's not trying to like get a certain amulet or, right? Like he he's like he's just trying to 
get you know he's trying to to be you know figure out what's going on with this world um i yeah i don't it it from what i understood and from the first 20 minutes uh it's completely different than the books it needs to be a a series is what it needs to have like artemis file needs to be a tv series like there's so much involved there holly short is way more of a like she's a central she's just as important to artemis file as artemis file is and it sounds like that wasn't a well done thing um yeah just no more get get out of here we've we've spent too much time talking on this (laughs) this is just a a dump like they dumped this on the platform and it is just I, i don't know maybe you turn it on to distract your kids it doesn't have anything that's going to be noteworthy what a weird to cut like 25 percent of the movie out just because they moved it from theatrical like is do you mm-hmm. think in some world based on some of what you've seen in the trailer and some of what you've seen in the movie let's assume the josh gad thing was a last minute ad like is there somewhere like is there a snyder cut somewhere that could come out and redeem this or you think it's even i earlier I back in the know. editing i, I know that again i rewatched the trailer and there's like one part where they're running through kind of a, a city and then they meet like a fairy or a pixie or something that transforms um, again, I don't know if that ties into the books or anything, but like, I feel like that was kind of like almost a, a, a side 20 minute fetch quest type thing that mm. they probably just were like, take it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those fucking suck. I, sounds like this movie's a dumper. Don't watch it. Yeah. Uh, it's on Disney plus, uh, and I'm not even going to say the title again because I do want to get to this, uh, this last one, which, uh, released on VOD. Uh, and I think both of you guys saw um, which, by the way, before we completely move on, uh, Jared, I'm assuming you have an Artemis Fowl review up on the channel? Yes, yes. Okay. Yep. So go there Go there for more thoughts on that and to Five Bloods, um, as well as this last movie. So this is one that the two of you saw. Um, I'll, I'll let you guys up behind the curtain. I, I, I said to Seth last, last night, I said, Seth, should I watch this movie tonight? And he said, not tonight. And so uh, <laughs> so I'm waiting to hear and, about this one What did you, what, and so, what you guys thought. And I say that because I know Cody and his thoughts on Apatow and that, you know, like that type of thing. It's not because I didn't like it because I liked it a lot. Uh Um, But uh, it's the King of Staten Island. Um, Pete Davidson's the Judd Apatow movie. Um, So what what I'll say about this. So basically, I mean, it's it's kind of it's it's kind of based on Pete Davidson's life. Um, Not really like based around his comedy uh, career, but more on his, I, I guess, because he's he does tattoos and things like that. So it's it's got like his his life in there, but it's not fully his life. And I think part of that reason, if you know, if, if I'm just looking at it based off Apatow's career, is like he didn't want to do another exact version of Funny People, where it's like about comedy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very Funny People esque in terms of the subject matter and the type of style of movie he's going for here, which I enjoyed a lot because I am, I'm a big fan of funny people. Um, but basically the, the story here, Pete Davidson plays, uh, Scott, I believe his name is, um, yeah, Scott Carlin. Um, he's, a he's, he kind of a loser, I guess he, you know, he basically just, uh, he lives in his, in his mom, his mom's house or mom's basement, kind of like Pete Davidson does. Um, and he, uh, wants to he, he wants to be a tattoo artist um he uh just basically smokes a lot of weed and hangs out with his friends and um 
he's at a, at a he's at a, a he's in a rut in his life. He's a kind of just stuck, and you know he uses his and, and jokingly in, in his he, he uses his dad's death like in real life. Um, his dad was a firefighter. Um, in real life, his dad died in nine eleven, and this it's not nine eleven. It's just his dad died in, in the line line of duty. Um, but he kind of uses that as a as a joke, but also as an excuse. Um, basically, he's just kind of stagnant where he's at, and um, so uh, basically, he kind of a it, it's it's really just that it's like a slice of life, you know. It's it's not it's the, you know you see him grow, you see him change, um, but it's 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 just kind of at this moment in time. Um, a, a big part of the movie is uh, also as well. So his mom is played by Marissa Tomei. She hasn't dated since her her, uh, her husband died. Um, Pete Davidson's dad died. Um, and so she um, encounters uh, Bill Burr, who is now, he's the love interest in her life. And so there's that relationship going on where Pete Davidson is, is re- resistant to Bill Burr and this relationship that, that's happening. And so they butt heads. There's a lot, there's actually a lot going on because... Um, there's stuff with Pete Davidson and his, um, his the career he wants, um, the career he gets into with working like at a restaurant, um, uh, a, like a relationship that he's had where he's kind of like boning this girl, but she wants more, um, and he doesn't doesn't because he's again kind of stuck in that childhood childish mind, um, and then uh, I guess just moving on in general from from traumatic events. Um, the he he's got a sister who's also going off to college. Who's played by um, Maud Apatow, I believe. There's mm-hmm. a couple Apatow girls. Um, she, uh, so she she is worried about leaving um, her mom with Pete Davidson because they kind of they they both butt heads a little bit, and she's kind of in the mediator and the peacekeeper. Um, so there's there's a lot there's actually a lot going on in the movie. There's there's a ton of different subject matter, different themes, stuff like that. Um, a lot of, for me, a lot of them hit. Some of them aren't necessarily as highlighted as much. Um, the thing that I liked the most was the stuff with Pete Davidson and Bill Burr, um, and kind of their their growth together in the movie. Because um, Bill Burr has has uh, some storylines going on too with with his life and a divorce and and kids and stuff like that. Uh, there's some moments with Pete Davidson and Bill Burr's kids that are really sweet. Uh, the movie itself isn't super funny. Like, there's some laugh out mode, laugh out loud moments for me, um, but I, I thought this was along the lines of like big, t- big time adolescence, where you know, loser guy grows up. That's kind of like the basic mo- part of the movie is is you know, a loser guy grows up, um, and or has to deal with growing up, and I, I, I liked it a lot. I, I, I liked the themes. I liked Pete Davidson. Uh, in in his performance, basically playing himself, but um, again, not hilarious, not uh, not even like with funny people, like they're going for jokes, like they're not really going for a ton of jokes. It's 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 more. Of a, I thought it was more of a serious movie than than it was, um, you know, a comedy. So I liked it quite a bit. I thought Bill Burr was great. I, I I've been more and more impressed with him as an actor um, in in some of the stuff he's done. Um, I don't know. I I like this one a lot. So I, it's it's twenty dollars to rent. I can't recommend everyone spend twenty dollars on it to, to rent. You know, it's 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 one of those movies where it's like you're either gonna like it a lot or you're gonna be like meh on it. And I think that's why I say Cody, you're not gonna 
I think you're going to hate it or think it's, you know, an appetite movie, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I, I can't necessarily say everyone go spend $20. It, once it comes on HBO, once it is down to $6 for rental, that's probably the more range where I'd say most people watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a hard time uh, spending that $20 price tag on it because I think everything, Seth, you kind of said, I'm, I'm in the meh. Uh, section of it um, I, I, I guess my biggest thing was I, I didn't get what I expected um, which isn't a good review at all um, I really liked what Pete Davidson did um, I'm glad you mentioned the slice of life situation because I also picked that up and I was like oh okay it's, this is this isn't about the relationship him having to almost like um, man of the house it where you know there's a new guy coming in and I need to get rid of this guy that that's a little bit of the story but it's more about this bum who's like what 24 trying to figure out his life living with his parents still gets kicked out has to figure his shit out um so it might connect with you know people that are you know a little bit you know younger adult or whatever but it does tackle or hint at i guess it doesn't really hammer you over the head about mental health um, it's mm-hmm. very much someone that's trying to deal. He doesn't know how to deal with stuff. He doesn't know how to tell, open up in relationships. Tell so in, in anyone that's maybe suffered from that or has known someone with um, any sort of uh, mental health issues or anything like that, I can see where you maybe grasp onto a little something where in a relationship it's like I really like you. I don't know how to tell you, so I'm gonna run away from this situation. Um, that's kind of a bit of the story. Or friends that it's like oh I need to get away from these people. Mm-hmm. So. I liked certain aspects. Again, Bill Burr, Pete Davidson. There's a funny scene where they're at the restaurant after hours. um, And I liked how they touched on that mental health portion of the film. But I guess I was expecting more. And it's labeled as a comedy drama or a dramedy or whatever. It's definitely more of a slice of life drama with comedy elements, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope that's fair to say. But yeah, I think I was more of the... "Mm." Um, I don't think, uh, I mean, Seth, you mentioned or compared it to funny people. I don't think that that film, I've only given it two tries. I don't think it ever fully landed with me. So that maybe makes sense then that you, you had mentioned that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton going on in the movie. So like there, you can, I think people can take different things from, from the movie and, and and I I, I don't think, I, I think they're all done well enough i think certain things are done better than others but i I think there's there's something to be taken for a there's just a lot packed into it so i think i think anyone who watches it can take something different from it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so i think i think what i'm hearing too is is a thing you know because you you each compared to funny people and jared you said you weren't as much of a fan so if you're if you find yourself off in it when you listen to the show agreeing with with seth and his taste and what he likes uh, maybe this is one that gets a little bit higher recommendation for you than if your taste more aligns with Jared's or mine. Uh, it might not be quite as much for you. So, um, like Seth said, it still is twenty dollars to rent right now. So, you know, fire away if you're a fan of Pete Davidson or if you really got to try the new Apatow movie. But um, for the masses, it might be more acceptable at a, at you know the standard rental price or even you know if it makes its way to a streaming platform. So this is uh, the King of Staten Island. So, um, so little bit, little bit of both, but uh, but uh, certainly a recommendation from Seth on this, as well as Five Bloods. Um, but do not watch. I repeat, do not watch Artemis Fowl. Um, <laughs> go instead instead of watching Artemis Fowl, go watch Jared's review of Artemis Fowl, like what 
15 times or so and you'll yeah have, yeah go do that give me some views but also um i threw like i don't know sometimes I, f- I find that you know the 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 movies that i don't like as much i have a little bit more fun so there's a few you know cutaways and sketches in that uh review so check it out there you go there you go uh re- review for artemis fowl uh is up on jared's channel as well as defy bloods and cat king of staten island all the new movies that we had in this week's reviews mom what do you think? I love it. I hate it. All righty. We are just about to the end of this episode. But before we go, we got to give you one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. All right. So I mentioned it before. Um, my one more thing is going to be Dear White People. Um, I think that... So... The way this came back to my the forefront of my mind is a friend of mine reached out and said, oh my God, I've been watching the show Dear White People. Like, it's so good and so timely. So um, I'm extending that recommendation out to all of you. If, if especially, honestly, especially if you're white, like it's, it's a really good show to, um, I think a lot of shows that are, that are, that are, at, that are explicitly about black culture could be pretty inaccessible to people that are outside that culture. But Dear White People really is made, I mean, it, it, it lives up to its title. It's, it's, it's a letter to white people. So you get to see what goes on in the black community and how diverse the black community is even within itself. And you get to see another angle of some of the things that people are constantly talking about, little racial microaggressions or macroaggressions, really. Um, this has, uh, uh, the movie was the original, I think it was 2014, um, with Tessa Thompson in the lead. And then they come out with the show years later, which retreads the movie and then adds more. And they're currently, uh, working on season four of that, I think. And then they replace Tessa Thompson in the series with, uh, Logan Browning, who we all know nice. from, um, from, uh, uh, the perfection. Um, so, uh, both are excellent. If you're going to do both, I would recommend the movie first, then the show, but either way, uh, really, it, it really is worth anyone putting this on, either catching the, the movie or a handful of the episodes. You'll learn a little thing or two. Uh, there's a really interesting style that Justin Simeon, who's the creator and director, uh, at least of the movie, um, his style is really interesting uh, and really unique. Like you'll you'll see kind of his isms and and the way that they um, the way that they shoot certain aspects of it that are really unique to him. Um, and also, it's pretty funny. And, and it's drama, it's dramatic and hard hitting when it wants to be, but more commonly it's played for comedy. So, uh, highly, highly recommend Dear White People, either the show or movie to, uh, put into your, put into your playlist for, uh, if you're trying to stay, stay up to date on what's going on in the world right now. So my one more thing is, you know, when you're a child on the playground and stuff, you maybe play this game where, you know, the floor is lava, where you can't touch <laughs> the ground, you're swinging from things and stuff like that, or stay off the gravel. Um, this Friday on Netflix, there's a game show called The Floor is Lava. <laughs> and I am so excited to watch this dumb game show, watching, like, adults, like, from what I've gathered, and again, it's just, like, a quick trailer, but they have setups where it's like, oh, this is a dining room. So they're swinging from curtains and jumping on tables and chairs. And I really hope that they they have these very elaborate 
uh, arenas, essentially, where they have to go from one side to the other, and there's, like, bubbling, you know, they put orange lights in it, but it's water, so they can't fall into the lava, otherwise they lose, so... I'm very much looking forward to probably having a couple drinks and just watching this dumb game show. (laughs) Seth was such a huge fan of Holy Moly. I'm sure you're going to gravitate. Oh, dude, Holy Moly was awesome. Yeah, it was. (laughs) Oh, God, you Um, did too. I just just opened up Netflix to see if I could... uh, You know, see them coming soon. And and man, it looks like lava. Yeah, Um, it does. the, The water is... (laughs) <laughs> the water looks like lava man this this looks crazy yeah i'm curious on how they have it all set up if it's like just a giant pool where they threw a bunch of stuff in i mean it might be indoor outdoor who knows That's awesome but like this this reminds me or gives me uh vibes of like mxc or mxx uh-huh. or whatever that yeah MXC. that game show on spike was don't MXC get is the shit. eliminated yeah um, that one yeah it looks like it looks like a living room with lava on the floor <laughs> this looks awesome yeah. i might watch this yeah and yeah like it's <laughs> there's these people who are falling into it and, and like they're like screaming uh... yeah they're I, screaming and stuff. i'm not sure i've ever heard that laugh but i'm really glad it sounded pretty clean i think i'm going to be able to cut that out yeah do and, it <laughs> and i'm very happy um that's awesome yeah i'm gonna watch that uh yeah, thanks for thanks for recommending that. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's incredible. Um, my one more thing is um, I've talked a few times about uh, some podcasts that that I listen to, like a uh, fiction podcast, um, au- like basically audiobooks where they add in it's acted, you know, um, some different ones like Homecoming and Limetown and stuff like that. There's one that that um, I think is about halfway through. Uh, now that that I've that I've been really enjoying it posts on Mondays and it goes through the end of July uh, called Baraska, stars Cole Sprouse, um, and it's actually kind of um, relates to what we were talking about earlier where it goes, you know, goes back in time. Um, where basically the the, the story here is, um, it, 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 kind of the device is that Cole Sprouse is going to uh, therapy. Um, he's he's dealt with drug abuse and and. Uh, like hard drugs like uh, heroin and, and stuff like that and um he's basically opening up to a therapist that he's never really he's never really been able to open up before but he's opening up to this therapist about the trauma that that's happened in his, in his life where um he moved to a town basically around the ozarks in in missouri and um some weird stuff has happened in this town where uh, kids are disappearing and there's there's like this old ancient tale about how there's these um people who there's like this ritual that happens where a bunch of high school kids go and party on this um mountain and um there's like this sound that comes from the mountain like this really high-pitched screaming sound um and every time the sound happens these kids go and party and the kids disappear and and there's these tale of like these um people who show up in like these robes and um like flesh eating people come out of the woods like it's kind of like one of those like um old like um old myths that i mean obviously like not every town has something like that but like different like myths that are made up over the years and so kind of the same thing here but they uh, it hits personally with Cole Sprouse's character and um you, you you find out slowly what's going on through this therapy of like uh what about the actual myth of this town and and 
how people in the town, like the rich people of the town, were involved in this this myth, and uh, it's it's really interesting. I I love these these audio series because a lot of them involve like peeling back different um, mysteries, like each episode, episode by episode, like an onion. It's like you find out more and more, um, just piece by piece. Same thing here. Um, I love the the method how they do it of of like through therapy and and these therapy sessions, um, I, they're all really well done. And Q Code is is the one who does this one. They've done a couple recently that I really enjoyed. The Tessa Thompson one that just finished up um, a couple weeks ago is is kind of how I got into this one. Um, but they're they're all like very like they're kind of like mystery thriller horror involved. Um, they they kind of go some crazy places, but. Um, this is one I'd recommend. It's called Baraska. Uh, really interesting, and it's about halfway through. So, and they're all they're pretty quick, half hour, forty five minutes. You can catch up, and and it's a it's free, and it's you know for for those who like audiobooks, it's like a it's an enhanced audiobook, and um, they're they're easy to to digest and and enjoy. So, I, I'm I'm a fan of these uh, audio series. Yeah, you were digging into those. Uh, this one's called Baraska. Uh, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Um, so maybe put it in your feed right behind this episode of the SoCo Show. Um, otherwise, you can also watch, apparently, The Floor is Lava and, yeah. <laughs> uh, and Dear White People, all available right now in One More Thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. That was so cute. I was like, The Floor is Lava, and both of you guys were like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, That's going to bring us to the end of episode 148 of the SoCo Show. Big shouts out once again to our guest host. At Jared Buckendall. Go ahead. What's coming up on the channel? What can folks look forward to this week? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Hopefully I can watch The Floor is Lava. I don't know if I have a review. (laughs) Um, I have uh, – there's a movie coming out this weekend called Wasp Network. I was able to see that early. I can't talk about it yet, but there will be a review um, for that. And maybe one other one we'll see. I don't know if there's much coming out. Plus, um, I'm going to be out of town, so yeah. Well, there you go. But no, um, I'm trying to think. I don't know. J-Buck Live, who knows? Just all my usual stuff. Otherwise, I'll be back next next week. Yep, we'll find out. We'll find out what Jared posted <laughs> a week from now when he's back. Um, so head on over to the YouTube at Jared Buckendall and the social networks to uh, to find Jared. Make sure you uh, follow him, get notifications so that you can stay up to date on what he's doing. Also, uh, we are about to record a Patreon exclusive episode of Jared's podcast, Movies and Nonsense. So head on over to Jared's Patreon as well, and uh, if you're a supporter of him there you'll see whatever it is we're going to talk about. And it's always, whenever we're on that podcast, we always talk about some shit that I never expected we were going to talk about. So um, enjoy (laughs) that. It's like nostalgia therapy. (laughs) Yeah, 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 it is. Um, So we are going to go and do that. Of course, uh, make sure you check out the sponsors. Uh, Links to them are in our description box. And remember, if you become a contributor during the month of June, uh, all of that June revenue, including for ads, uh, is going to go to support the Black Lives Matter movement. So uh, appreciate all the listens, all the clicks, and all the shares, um, and, you know, the time as well. Uh, thanks for spending a couple hours with us this week. That's going to wrap it up for Jared and for the so host. I've been the co-host, Cody Michael, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.